design is about goods and about capitalism. There's no doubt about that. It's a Korean brand create love for people to buy anything for any any money, amount of money. But there is ways also, this is the cruel way of talking about our profession, of course. It's not all about that. That, but uh, And I think it's really important because we need the economy and we should be working more towards that, of course, uh, a more balanced way because we do want, we need money and money is not a dirty word, you know, money is good, but it's like, uh, needs to be, yeah, needs to be reflected upon uh, what is, uh, how, how, how we get involved and, and what, what's the cost of it in, in the end. You are listening to One More Question, a podcast by the people of Nice Work. One of the things we often catch ourselves saying is, can we ask you one more question? This podcast is all about sharing that, the best conversations we've had with significant brand builders, experts, and communicators. The people that we've encountered as we go about our work of making people care by creating impactful brands. Season three is focused on unpacking the topic of branding. We talk to people who design brands, own brands, build brands, and even those who hire for brands. We explore what brands look like and how they behave across a wide spectrum, from world-renowned brands with massive budgets like Spotify, to companies that are making big waves on small budgets. If you're looking for insights on the best ways to invest in and build your brand, this is the season for you. I'm your host, Ross Drakes. Hello. Today on the podcast, I talk to Rajana Del Bello. Rajana is an award-winning designer and illustrator working for over 23 years. She's worked at places like Wolf Olin's and Studio Dunbar. She studied at the School of Visual Arts in New York City and the St. Eust Academy in Amsterdam. She's the founder of Studio Rajana Del Bello and the author of a book, Citizen First, Designer Second. We talk about being honest, and how we should all think like a citizen first, and being intentional about how branding can make you feel. Enjoy. Thank you very much um, for joining us on the podcast. It's, it was a long one and fierce battle, but we finally managed to be in the same place at the same time. Thank you for joining us. Thank you, Ross, no, for insisting. <laughs> <laughs> Between COVID and uh, change of plans, that's good. Anyway, we are here. We are alive. <laughs> that's good. Um, so I'm looking at uh, my first first question here is I've got a star next to it, which is you you said the words, I hate the word branding when we spoke yeah. on our prequel. I'd love to, I'd love to understand more why someone who – works in the space doesn't like the the term branding yeah it's a it's a funny one because when you come from the time that branding was not the word branding you know before it was visual identity and communication design you know like of course this tells how old i am now um i've been working for quite a long time in the industry and suddenly there was a shift in the sense of once you do brand, uh, branding, looks like you are higher up than somebody who does visual identity. Or, um, and I understand the complexities of a big branding than a visual identity, I understand. But the biggest part of the branding normally is the visual identity as well. And a small visual identity also has strategies and also have copyright and depends on, depends on the product. So this feeling of 
just having the word branding felt like somebody was more royal. You know, it, it made a casting system in, in design that I, I really disliked it. The same happened with design thinking. The same happened with so many things that we try to systematize our, our process because we cannot really acknowledge that design is creative and creativity is like, it doesn't have a system like a science literally. You know, we cannot say one plus one is two. And we keep trying to make this kind of professionalized design put us in ties and make us do post-its and pretending that, no, we are super serious. Of course we are serious, but we are serious in our own way, you know, <laughs> and we should not deny that. And I think there is a, almost a counter wave of this uh, need to be like business-like. Designer needs to feel that they are almost doctors, uh, lawyers, you know, it's for them to take us seriously. And I'm like, I was born in a family of doctors and like, I... I always looked myself to them, but you can't, I think the point is to, to do the other way around. It's like, accept that that's not what it is. And I think it hurts us more trying to put us in cast and trying to make us like a hierarchy bigger than the other and, and just smaller project, a bigger project is, I think that's, but we still do main visual identity we are all doing logos in the end of the day and choosing colors and typeface so let's not kid ourselves to say that somebody's doing branding is doing something much bigger and more special than somebody else so that's the feeling that i started i think this uh questionnaire hmm. this uh text i was asked in a pod in a in an interview like that um and I had to come up with an uh, with an answer, and I was that was not so angry at probably I'm sounding right now. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but I totally agree that the complexity of our work has become much bigger than when I started. You know, now the companies is has so much more layers. You have to have much more people in between, like. I used to work at Studio Dumba. There was no project managing when I started there. It was one for the whole studio. You know, it's like now you cannot have a project probably without one. And I saw the change in, in the in the in society in that way, how many complexities that brings. And of course, that brings also needs to systematize and needs to be clear, communicate clear. So I understand, of course, that I'm not denying that, not denying also the participation of other um, colleagues that really adds up to the project, which is a strategist and you know, extremely important, especially in certain projects that needs a lot of distilling from a bunch of people in a, in a, in a company that actually each one has a different opinion and what, a different thinking what the project needs to be. And they are the ones actually bringing that all into a core uh, scenario for us to then do our jobs. You know, it's not somebody they did that because. We've been designing without strategies for a long time, at least me, before back in the days. And yes. it's still doing the same job. It's not because now there's a strategy, suddenly we are less than. And I think that's when I get really angry. <laughs> and I get like, why designers and artists has, had, has such a bad rap in society. And I would keep like, like doing that badly to ourselves you know that doesn't help us i don't think so at least it did not help me i don't know what you think maybe i'm just a, a rebel one here so what's well, i mean it's interesting you know so we we 
been grappling with this for for years in terms of mm-hmm. how do you how do you take something intangible and make it tangible because then people who aren't creatives can engage and buy it and understand it and see the value without having to engage. So they can see these models and they can see this thinking and they can see the structures and the process and they go, oh, this feels like it's worth paying for and I'll pay for it. But I mean, I'm reminded of how flexible it is. You know, we've created a thing called the brand impact model and I've rolled out hundreds of them and I was working on one for a client and it just wasn't clicking. It just wasn't like we'd been through the process, we'd done the research, we'd done the interviews and just we couldn't cover that last little bit and the client felt it and he wasn't happy and he was like, I love where you're heading, but it doesn't feel right. And I'm like, I'm just kind of confused. And then weirdly in the middle of my COVID fever haze, I just sat up and I was like, huh. It's dream forward. And then it was all like it all just locked into place and suddenly it all worked. So we had this beautiful process that we followed, which most of the time works really well, but this one time didn't work. And it actually took kind of stepping away from it and being kind of distracted by something else for it to to fall into place. But there's definitely this tension, I feel, between designers being able to to talk about the value they can create for people when it is so intangible, especially when so often the people who we're selling to need us because they cannot do what we do. So they're not creative. They're not, well, I think everyone's creative, but they're not visually inclined. They can't see what we can see. So they're coming to us for help, but we're struggling to explain how what we're creating for them is actually worth the time and the energy and the effort and the money and all the things that we're trying to do. So, so I, I, I totally understand this, this tension. And I think maybe that's why people are trying to elevate it or whatever. Yeah. But I don't deny that. And I really value because I work with strategists and, and uh, most of the most uh, big projects that I've done and, and were thankful to strategists that helped me to sell and helped me to do the, this translating of mm. image towards into a business line. I'm not denying that at all. It's really literally the impact of, at that time, how the branding word, word became a thing. You know, it looks like, like oh, you're just doing a, a visual identity. It's graphic design rather than branding. Mm. Like, it comes from the same people, guys. It's like, <laughs> it comes from the same mindsets, from the same intelligence. So you're adding just a, a new label and it's fine. You're making a brand out of a brand. Of, out of our own <laughs> profession. So I know the trick. I've been working you know, throughout the, the year, so it doesn't work on me. So I did not drink the Kool-Aid about it. And uh, I just, yeah, I, of course, I use the word, but uh, I'm just critical about well, what, was it? what exactly uh, it When I started, it was called commercial art. Oh, it was the, okay. the title of it, commercial art. And I've always kind of liked that because it feels more honest to what it is so it's art but i'm doing it to be paid so it's commercial art so it it makes it makes a lot of sense um to to me when you pull the label all the way back to there never got to brazil this one (laughs) i I don't remember having that one but it's nice i like it So, so one of the reasons we've taken so long to do this interview is that that you were releasing and promoting your your book. 
Yeah. And I'd love for you to talk about like what was the inspiration behind the book and why did you feel the need to to write it? Um, you know, that's I'd love to, to understand that process. It's so much more simple than you think. The book I did not write the book, the the book wrote itself because I it's actually just by me saying yes to millions of events, millions of lectures, millions of workshops. Since I'm 27, I've been living teaching and uh, yeah, being going to, to schools and I went to a lot of schools around the world that's doing workshops with students and and giving lectures here and there. And sometimes they always ask, can you ask questions that were interesting, that I had to think about it, or like there was a conference that had a theme and I had to come up with like an introduction and ours if there's a theme, I like to reflect upon the theme and see what through my work and understanding uh, what comes out and also other things that just happen in my professional life that I thought would, would be good to reflect that back and it's not a book about necessarily when I was born why and nothing to do with that it's to do with my experience and reflecting back to the, the community of design and 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 what is relevant for the community of design otherwise I don't even talk about other things of course it's not the importance is not about me it's through me uh, and my experience in 25 years and talking about such subjects that I think actually not many people even talk about, I think, it's, which is quite nice to see, like about social design or about religion or in, uh, in design and practice and about, uh, yeah, like this, um, being unknown and the hating branding and talking about the casting and design. And I think, yeah, I think these things actually always, I never heard anybody literally talking about that, these things. and. Um, but that was not the reason. I think I remember um, once I was uh, talking to a friend of mine and saying that I felt that I, with my dyslexia, I had difficulties to explain what I what I say. Uh, and she said, "How can you do? How can that be true if you give lectures like for ages? Otherwise, people would not ask you back." And I was like, yeah, "You're right." <laughs> it's like, why don't you actually see your lectures and see and 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 write about it? You know, do, take a look. And then when I when I looked at because I archive everything, I have like the topics, everything that I do is nothing is like improv i'm actually because of my dyslexia i have to study i have to prepare a lecture i have to know exactly what i'm talking you know nothing is really loose uh, uh unfortunately i'm i'm not i wish i was more relaxed but i'm not so i have every script in my lecture and, and the thought and etc so i took it all and like in in a week i understood that i had a lot of nice topics and then I decided to write it out and I went like, because the, the, the thought was already processed. I already mm. knew what, what, what was my opinion, but there was not a text because in lectures you talk like for five minutes maximum to one minute about the topic. And then you change to a slide project. And then, then I decided, okay, no, there's actually a content here to tell. And then I wrote in a week, um, like crazily, like woke up at five, finished at three, I went and was working during the day, but uh, I, I understood there was something there. And then I sent to three friends of mine. One is uh, advertising, one is a friend of mine who knows me from young, and she nothing to do with design, she's from linguistics. And then another person that is from the industry, a friend of mine. 
And then three people gave me an opinion that was a solid book and was really interesting. I said, okay, if they are, if they have an approval, I'm, I'm going to go for it. It's not, I'm not going crazy with this. It's not like an ego trip or something. That's not the point. So no, yeah. So yeah, then uh, that's it. That's actually the little story. And then I showed to counterprint as actually I asked them if they have like, if they knew people in the industry to help me. And they mm. were like, no, we're interested. I was like, oh, really? Because they don't, they don't print a written book. So I was expecting more like a little book with just writing on it. And then they were like, no, we're interested, uh, but we think we should put images as well from your work. And then they added up like a, a vision that I did not have. I did not think it was about the, the work, it was about the words. And that's what I wanted to be really sure the book needs to be about the words, let's make big words so people know about written. It's not about my work. My work is just illustrating there. It's about for them to the read. So, yeah. So I that's... Mean, so, so the title is, is is what really gets me is Citizen First, Designer Second. I, I like that concept of a citizen because, you know, we've, we started the whole interview talking about branding and how it makes things big. And I think citizen is quite a large concept you know it's quite a it feels quite expensive can you talk a bit about like why citizen why did you use that and not person first or people first like what is it about the idea of a citizen that that inspired you yeah i i think before we are anything we are part of a community a system you know it's not like people is like i don't know it's your own communities your own world becomes an ego thing again i think citizen you are citizen of the world you're part of a bigger larger interest and uh and before you are anything first of all you are part of this you're born in the system in this world you know and you cannot deny it in that way and because i quite i i was a i did social work in brazil when i was young 17 and at the same time i talk i talk about about this in the book um at the same time, I started doing so, um, art school. And that two worlds really collapsed and clashed on my head. So I was going every Sunday, work with kids that was from favelas, the slums, and having heart problems, parents with drug addicts, addictions, and prison, and like poverty, poverty. And it was really hard to see. And at the same time, I would go during the week to you know, to hard school, which was about typography, bold, happy, uh, color, and let's project the world and be positive. I'm like, this, this, is this happening at the same time? And is this how can I choose something that I love, which is design? And I do think I I had I do think I had some talent to pursue that, and I had love for it right away when I started. How can I, inside of me, like deal with this world has cannot help this world? Or can can this world help this world? Is that possible? And, and literally, when you are in the social, in the real day to day problems with people, like with these situations, you know that design is not really imminent. Imminent, you know what is imminent is care and food, and you know you know that. But then raised me a big question and then that made me the, the interest because I always want to teach and I thought that I would be in Brazil 
would do uh, studio. I was in the biggest brand studio already in Brazil, my first job. And then I thought, okay, from here is the biggest brand studio. I'm 20. <laughs> what am I going to do? I know afterwards. I was like, and then I thought, okay, I'm going to teach. And then and then I was too young to teach. So I didn't, I was thinking, like, I'm going to go master. And then I did a master in social design. Then I went to Holland. And that's where my a lot of pilgrimage happen, happens now. First, I went to the United States, but then it's another story. Uh, actually, it's not because it links a lot because Milton Glaser really was a social aware person. Like he was one of the first ones who really raised questions like, uh, "What is your role? You know, what's the, would you do something for for cigarettes?" And he would pressure that and 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 ask us these questions, which was not uh, super. Uh, welcome at the time because cigarettes was still massive uh, mm. income for studios and campaigns and stuff, which nowadays is not. And this is, yeah, I I said no to my first biggest branding studio. I had to say no to doing uh, cigarettes and I thought I was going to be fired and it's the best studio in Brazil. And thank God my, my uh, boss was open up enough to say, okay, you don't work on this. The whole studio was working on it, and I was the only designer not working. And uh, yeah, I, I thank for that. But I was always in awareness of uh, my work cannot do harm. Besides mm. that, I cannot be impossible not to do harm. We're always going to do harm because we don't know better. I mean, I cannot. We cannot save the world, but I can have at least some things that I think I, I don't cross that boundary. And since young, I knew like. What I don't do, I don't want to do with others. So I don't drink, and I never did. I never did alcohol, I never did. It was something that I was born, like, really mindset strong about some certain things. And cigarettes, and I was never adventurous that way or rebel in my citizen life way. And this has nothing to do with religions or my parents were not religions, but it was in me. Like, so that I was like, I cannot do that for my profession as well. I cannot sell my design for something that I don't believe in. And yeah, that's the conscious that I, that helped me by doing social work as well. And the book is that I think my career was shaped because of that. I went for a master because of this question, can design do anything for homelessness? So I did a master's surrounding about homelessness, uh, recent homelessness. And, and I studied about it, did a project about it, et cetera. Uh, yeah, so it really shaped that way. And of course, in the daily work, you cannot do much social work in that way. I do social work apparently in a different graphic design level, but I still do projects that are pro bono for causes that would never have budget for design anyway. And mm-hmm. I do feel com- uh, like compelled to help. And being volunteered first, and then I decided to help with design. So there's so many things throughout these years that I've been trying to figure out how to combine these two. You know, feed myself with money. Let's say, like have work <laughs> for money yes. because we need it, and it is a difficult thing in our profession. At least some of us don't have this problem, but I, I'm still young. Young? No, I'm not young. I'm young in the design studio kind of thing. It started six years ago, and I'm still dealing with this. It's, it's really uncertain. But at the same time, I want to, like, to feed help. myself 
in my soul in the things that I believe. So, which yeah, um, so it is th that's the two person inside of me, the citizen and the designer, that I think is extremely important. And the citizens from, for me comes first in that way because you have to make choices for you to be the best designer. I think you cannot just do anything. You can you are always surrounded by your environment and you have to be respectful and understand. And sometimes, yeah, sometimes you have to do for other reasons and uh, nobody's here to be perfect and nobody is perfect. I'm not perfect. I do things bad or, uh, you know, I'm, I'm not an example of anything. And that's not the point. <laughs> the point is that it is, yeah, there, there is something for us to pay attention to. And I think it's, it's important, but whatever each one interprets that and, how each one deals with their life with that. And there's no, I'm not pointing fingers and there's nothing like that. If you read the book, you know, and uh, you're going to see that there's nothing like that. So it's really a reflection about it. But I think it's also, for me, it sort of ties into a lot of the, the things that are happening in the business world. Like we're seeing the rise of, things like B Corp and, you know, business is a, for, a force for good, whereas business is almost going like it's not profit first. It's it's what is our purpose? What are we here to do? What are we trying to achieve? And how do we kind of engage economically to deliver that? So it's not just about delivering the most cash or the most profit. It's also about what is the impact that we're making on the environment, the people, the, the culture, the the you know, all of these things. And I think this is definitely a move that's as a result of too much weight in the other direction. I think kind of coming out of the eighties and nineties was just all rapid growth, expansion, money, profit. And we sort of dealing with the, the tail end of that euphoria. And I think people are questioning how to, how to engage better um, and, yeah, and I, I really, I, yeah, sorry. Yeah, there's a lot to say about this for me because we are too short in earth. You know, we are, our lives is too short. And I think if you lived and worked really hard and got to a point, like I had the point that I had a portfolio and I worked in four different countries and biggest branding in the world. And then suddenly you think, oh, that's it. Uh, I'm settled. Uh, I'm going to be okay for the rest of my life. And you realize, fuck, no, nothing changed, <laughs> you know? And that's the basis of a lot of depression out there, you know, that you settle a really high standard of having millions of money and or a car, a house, and then you get there and do it. And then you see, like, nothing internally changed. And I think there is a conscious now or epide epidemic of uh, definitely health, uh, uh, mental health uh, problems mm. that derives about that derives about the world that is totally unbalanced you see i'm talking about poverty and design you know there was unbalance right there design is about goods and about uh, um, um, capitalism there's no doubt about that it's a great brand great love for people to buy anything for any any money amount of money but there is ways also this is the cruel way of talking about our profession of course it's not all about that that but uh and i think it's really important because we need the economy and we should be working more towards that of course uh, a more balanced way because we do want we need money and money is not a dirty word you know money is good but it's like uh needs to be 
Yeah, it needs to be reflected upon uh, what is uh, how 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 we, we get involved and and what what's the cost of it in in the end the, the end of the day and for our own conscience as well. I think. So, so I'm interested, you know, so for for people who own brands or are building brands and building companies, how do you how do you encourage them to work? with this like citizen first mentality, how do you like, what can they do to start thinking about this stuff? Because it is that balance of how do I balance the economics of what I'm doing and not just destroying everything around me while I'm, I'm doing it. Uh, what I can do when I'm working is to be honest, what, what they do, you know, and uh, um, to visualize as honest as I can to what they are. You know, is like what they want to be, and through that, maybe change of clothes, um, let's say, or identity, and like push them to get to that stage of really changing. I think that's the only thing precisely a visual designer, graphic designer can do. I think it's like when I did the Alzheimer Foundation in Holland and to the Dumba, I remember there was. A challenge because it was so honest about the disease that we tend to pretend that maybe a branding needs to portray something more positive than it is. And I think, you know, we have, and in one chapter of the book talks about beauty is honesty. You know, I think that's for me is the only way to define beauty because beauty, what is beauty? And it's relative to so many ways and, and things. And, and for me, it's only. It's only beauty when it's, there's an honesty to it, and and I think that's that's what I can do with the company. Like let's let's do the best, of course, and but not lie about what you do necessarily, and, uh, but push you. And and I'm I'm not there to talk to how the clients should be doing their job, but I think the the call what it means, the true what that means. I think that's something that I can be more emphatic you know what really do you mean with that you know and tell them to push themselves to reflect about it what's the consequence of telling you this and being this you know are you really taking a step further i think we saw the burger king identity right it's like it's it's a mass uh identity that wants to be healthier you know and and I do believe that companies uh, are going to be healthier as long as we get healthier as well. You know, it's like Coca-Cola is going to get healthier products, which you're already seeing different kind of products they do. And it's not only the, the Coca-Cola, the black thing, you know, that's also taking better ingredients, ingredients every time. And we are transforming the same way as we are. So I don't expect uh, we are better than the companies that we work for. We are all the same way. So I have no high expectation about it or i see yeah. i see a lot of your sort of we're part of the system and we're separate from it coming through in, in all of your work i love that i love that concept of just being honest about what you are and, and who you are i think there's so much of i think one of the reasons people often when you say like marketing they're like we hate marketing and i don't think people hate marketing i think people hate marketing that's that's either disingenuous or it pushes forward something and then you go, okay, well, this looks amazing. I'm going to go buy it. I'm going to go and go engage and you go and engage and it's not what was promised. Yeah. Um, and you're like, well, okay, this, this feels wrong to me and I'm not happy about it. 
you can't stand up and be a champion of you know all things good and holy and then take on a alcohol brand as as a client you need to almost own own what you're talking about um how do you how do you bring that into your work because it's quite a big concept to to land on people and i love what you're saying when you're branding the alzheimer's foundation is to not try and make it feel kind of light or friendly or you know that's just it's not right for what what the work that they're doing how do you pull that across into your into your work i think there's a balance there um you have to tell the truth but there's a balance between the colors that was the colors were positive and you know, the, the font was rounded, it was not harsh, you know, but there was a sense of melancholy, for example, in that world. Uh, but I don't push anybody about anything. I just push, I think, when it comes to design, I just push for the best, what I think as my professional uh, development and eye that been become sensitive uh, by the time that I've been working, working so many different countries that gives me that perception or um, perspective, but I don't tell anybody necessarily <laughs> what to do. It's not a big concept in that way. I don't tell them, hey, this just isn't, I, I'm, this is not to be judged at all. And I'm concerned now that my book is is taking that uh, approach. But it's what's the prior- priorities of us? I think that's the question. Like I, I, I question myself. I'm just telling how I've been questioning myself. And what I can say is that the examples that I do have is a few a few cases that I would say no, I would not do anything for alcohol and and, and cigarettes, which I proved that when I was nineteen. But mm. uh, nowadays it's easy to prove because hardly these projects are around necessarily. But it's just because I I don't deny alcohol or you know people who drinks is nothing about that. But uh, it's not something that I want to use my time with. That's all. It's it, just uh, that's that's my own my own limits, but has nothing to do with society in that way overall. It's my own, and I don't even talk about this in the book precisely because I think it's so private of my own boundaries of morality, and morality can be so many different ways. I think what's I need to feel that it's a positive thing for society, you know, or it's not going more negative than positive, and I think yes. In these two cases, I think it goes more negative than positive because it's still a drug in the end of the day and still harms, I think, because we don't know. <laughs> we are still, uh, it's difficult. But there's a free will and who cares? You know, you can say this, yeah. But my free will is like, I prefer not to touch that. That's all. You know, but a few things like work for banks. And if you start thinking that people are bad, then you don't do anything because you are also bad. You know, you're nobody's fully good you know and fully bad you know so there's always these two sides of the story and just like that i don't do anything you just uh, and second of all any profit any company and non-profit they need to make money you know it's yes. a business you know there's no like fake thing about it they make money some of them, some of them, uh, yeah, I've worked with some of them that really struggles, but there's a lot of uh, companies that are really healthy and they know how to do it and they have good salaries and I think it's fantastic, but they have a cause and a purpose behind it that that's beyond the profit, which I think is great. And that's why it's good to say you do for non-profit, but in the end of the day, I talk about this in the book, the world is so diverse 
you know, is beautiful. That design can actually fulfill all these needs, you know, and and I think that's what my point. And I I don't have a sector. I don't work only for nonprofit. If you see my portfolio, is not at all about that. I'm interested in the world. I'm interested to do things, and there are a few things that I don't do, but the other things I'm super open. You know, it's like I'm open to do a bank from a cycling shirt to a nonprofit company, and I think my work is not about being a niche and, and say I only work for the arts because it makes me feel more intellectual designer. No, I don't. I, arts are also accompanying at the end of the day, but yes. of course, there's more freedom to express, which is fantastic. And, all designers like to work with it but uh, yeah I, I like the challenge of a little bit of everything which is keeps me on a toe in a way uh, to understand you know how to to deal with different different briefs and different uh, problems in, uh, in society let's say uh, uh, different ways that design can can really input and yeah I, I'm fascinated by it that's what makes me come out of bed and work it's like wow yes. What's the solve? What can I do for them? You know, what can it's we like, do today? What can I add? Yeah, what can I add here? Because, I mean, graphic design is a big company. Yeah, we know the value, but there's a massive amount of other problems they go through, you know, and you should be out of the way and do the best job instead of becoming a problem. You know? So that's why I always think, like, how can I, you know, do my best here and, and yeah, see from yeah, that perspective. Like I always believe that curiosity is is a superpower. I think that's why yeah. designers in particular are, are so good at, at this is they're so curious to understand why things are the way they are or what the underlying reason behind it is. And I so often, when you reflect back, you can sometimes see how all the different pieces fit together. So the experience of that client in the financial services you carried that across into a different piece that you were doing for somebody else. And it made sense oh. because, but you kind of, it was almost this invisible thread between all of these different things that was tying everything together. And I think yeah, that's exciting. Yeah. I love our profession as a positive thing, you know, it's just is hard for maybe or tangible for a lot of people to understand because it's quite abstract, as you said, you know, and we need a lot of people to help us to do it. To sell it and prove uh, to prove the the value of it, you know. Um, I always uh, we always discuss with Elodie Boyer on one of the strategies I work with, because how do you price something? You know, you have to like almost you're promising something that you don't know what you're gonna do, and if you're gonna fulfill all the needs, it's, there's no math. Of course, you you're a professional. You're gonna come to something, but you don't know. There's so many variants that can go wrong. But so many variants also that goes with the right when you really want to do the job and, and take that step. So I think it's super positive profession. I think it's, uh, yeah, I, I just want to die doing it. You know, I just want to keep having clients that, uh, that bets on my studio and I can work further, you know, and continue developing that. And yeah, that's definitely a joy in my life. I think you touched on something interesting there, which is, you know, you just said you want clients to bet on your studio. And I think it is always a bit of a gamble because clients come and they purchase this seemingly intangible thing. They're trying to solve a problem, but they don't know what the solution is. And that's actually why they've come to you and they, they're betting on you. And I guess what they're getting back in 
return is this passion and excitement and curiosity and all the things that we throw at the the challenges that are put to us and that's that's how we ultimately get to to where we need to be for that client but it is a a trust uh, that they have to that the clients have to make um when they they're making that choice yeah, I, I received the project from a, um, a client that came to me and said, oh, I, love, I, like, I like this project. You know, they, they came to me because they like a certain project, which was from Smile Brigade, is a non-profit as well. But they are nothing to do with that. And then the solution is quite interesting because they come because they are attracted by this, but the solution for their work is completely else, like <laughs> nothing to do, like was black and white, the other one was super colorful, the other one's like completely one typographical, one illustrator. It's like, so funny to see it because it's, it is really random in a way. It's almost like finding a date, you know, it's like it, it, it is, I feel sometimes I'm speed dating uh, with clients because it is difficult to, to, to have that, okay, the first date's great, then the second, the third is not, is, is not easy to keep it up, you know, and keep a relationship. It is a relationship in them. And I have clients that has been in relationship for 15 years now. You know, uh, the insurance company I work for, I started when I was to the Dumber, and now is my client. It's been more than 10 years, which is fantastic. Of course, it interrupted when I came to London and I worked at Wolfhounds, but then... Um, then they needed to do a rebranding and came to uh, me and Elodie Boyer, the strategist and brand consultants, which is a fantastic thing to really be growing together with the company. You, know? you are doing the brand and growing together with them. And you're seeing the phases and changing with the phases. Like the first phase, it needs to be bold and be sure that people see them. The second phase, that the visual identity needs to be they are mature the same way as you are more mature yeah. as well i think uh, i started when i was 26 on this project and now i'm 42 so it's like it's great to to see this and that's that's what i love and i, I like to have these long-term relationships with clients and and, and grow with them i think it's fantastic yeah. I love that idea of kind of evolving because you know yeah. one of the reasons we started this podcast is you know, someone asked me, they're like, well, what is branding? And you're like, well, there's kind of not really one description of it. There's a million different takes on it. And it depends where you are, at what point in your life, what you feel is important. Like all of these things are the factors that change what the definition is. Um, the, my last guest, um, Leland Mashmeyer, said that branding is just a collective hallucination which I love that description because it is exactly that. You're like, well, the company feels like it's more mature. So we're going to use a specific font and a specific color to make it feel mature because that's what we want the world to, to believe. But the product hasn't changed and the people haven't changed. Like nothing's actually changed. It's now just uh, a, an agreement by society to wrap their heads around it like why is one brand super cool and why is another brand not super cool it's it's all just perception but i do believe that we do that part you know when you feel down and some some people needs to go out for dinner and pamper themselves and give them makeup or makeup makeover or whatever i think that there's a lot of value to it you feel you make yourself 
um, is, is self-esteem. I think we as designers give self-esteem to a company as well, even if they are not there yet, but they want to be. And a makeover or change of identity sometimes in the right in the right time. We cannot mm. be like, oh, I just want to change typography. Typography it means nothing. It's for my right time that they are in the right time to okay, I need to mature and let's try to do that. Even if they did not start yet, they are not there yet. But I think that's the first step for them to feel like as an organization, everybody to have this feeling, hey, we are gonna do this step, we're gonna rebrand. And let's come, everybody comes with that energy of uh, rebranding. Mm. And I do, I do believe that that happens. And I, I saw this happening when, uh, it doesn't happen like you don't change from the day to the other, like completely. But I do think that makes a, a wave of different thinking or a feeling that everybody's closer together or there's a purpose uh, clear for them to work towards, you know. The Ismail Brigade, the company that I did, um, they had a logo that was completely not clear to what they are doing. It was not linking at all. And uh, when I redesigned, it really told what they were doing. And they were so proud that every time they did the, the soup kitchen, the end of the day, because it's based on volunteers, they would come in with the banner. They would sit next to the banner with the logo and take a picture of it mm. every day. Uh, I even mentioned this in the book as well because one of the touching moments of my career because I thought it means something. You know, that logo that you do that resonates back to what they do every day. They work their asses off for purpose and that logo signifies the purpose. Mm. You know, so that's why it's important for us to really do the honest thing because it's it's the is the is is the symbol where they prey upon understand it's like it's it, of course the praying is just saying like the cross is for the people who praise for jesus yes. whatever and whatever symbols from other religions it doesn't matter this is just a reference for you to say that the logo is that symbol that people like needs to believe to go in every day and work and have the difficulties of work and okay i'm doing this i believe in that and that's the, the symbol you know it's it carries carries a lot of me so yeah so it totally does i mean i've got a pair of i've got a pair of boots which i call my lucky boots and my wife laughs at me so if i'm ever doing something really important or really big or if i'm feeling bad and i've got to go and do something i put these on and it actually does have a physical effect on me i'm like got my lucky boots on like i feel i feel like i'm i'm ready to go now and i think it's the same you know everyone has that like that handbag or that outfit or that's and they put it on and it's like a a wrapper that you can now go okay this is reflecting what i want the world to to think or feel or see about me and you can actually step in and fill that with with what it is and i think brands and design have this opportunity to do that for a collective of people which is a company and you can make that company feel a certain way or look a certain way or behave a certain way and you exactly like you say giving them that visual reference that point that mark that they can put out there and be like this is this is who we are um and i want you to see it yeah, I want to be proud of it. I want to be proud. And even if you don't like it, it's not about your liking. It's about the company needs to survive us. You know? Companies 
the people change, but the company stay. Like Apple, how many years? Coca Cola, look at the logo. How many years of them? Mm. How many people has gone and been gone? So it's not about your personal taste; it's about the company. So it needs to signify that company, and I think that's that's also really nice to to think about it. When you do the work, you do the work for the company, and at that moment is that amount that that people that is there designing this, but. And also being honest is about doing that. So honest is understanding that this company is going to survive you guys, you know, it's like hopefully, you know. And uh, so I'm here not because they, maybe your wife likes pink, you know. It's important here. It is to think it is the pink is the best way for the company to communicate that. And that's where the honesty comes from. And that's when we can be the best doing our job, not thinking for the, the clients is paying the money. It's thinking this is a long-term thing and this needs to survive all of us. It's going to survive me. And one of the chapters that I talk also about the book is about we work for the design industry and for our clients because we, the next person that's going to take this brand that I'm working on, it needs to be better. You know, it's like uh, you set the mark, you push as much as forward and then comes, I did the design and then Ross comes and can push further. You know, no, don't go backwards and hopefully mm. go forward. You know, so this understanding also that we are the citizen in that sense is like you are aware that, okay, as much as I go, somebody else can do a better job, you know, that you are in a community as well. So I think that way we can do that, I think. I think that's such a lovely note to, to end the episode on. Thank you so much. I mean, thank it took you. us took us about six months, but we got you and I think <laughs> it was totally worth it. But thank you so much for your time. Thank I really, you. really appreciate it. Oh, welcome. Thank you so much for, for the invitation. And again, lovely talking to you. So. Awesome. And I hope I hope this has inspired a few people to think a little bit about being a citizen um, first and whatever it is that they do um, second, because I love that as a concept. So thank you very much. And we'll thank catch you. you in the next one. Bye-bye. Bye. Thanks for listening. We believe that sharing knowledge is an obligation. So if you know someone who's building a brand or needs some inspiration for their brand, please share this podcast with them. This is our third season, and we'd be grateful if you'd hit that subscribe button so you're the first one to know when a new episode comes out. Or even better, leave us a review and tell the world how much you enjoy listening. This really helps. One more question is brought to you by the people at NiceWork. NiceWork is a purpose-driven company helping people who want to make a dent in the world by building brands that people give a shit about. We're based in Johannesburg, South Africa and serve companies around the world. If you'd like to know more, partner with us or make a suggestion, reach out at www.nicework.co.za And if you're one of those really old school people, send us a letter and we'll make you a mixtape.